Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 84. Of course, uh, thank you always to uh, Mr. Mike Squires for creating that uh, theme song for us. And also thank you to him for wishing me a happy birthday on Facebook. And I think you, Ray, from the UK, uh, creepily liked his happy birthday comment, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Because yeah. <laughs> nah, it's, it's cool because you, um, you know, you're a huge Loaded fan. If people don't know, Ray from the UK was on with, uh, with Jeff Rouse and – I, th- I think Ray's passion for for Duff McKay is loaded has gotten me more into their intro music. So I kind of kind of credit you for that. But uh, it, it's cool because you were telling me that you and, and Mike will just sometimes private message uh, each other, talk about guitars, and just be yeah, bullshit. Well, it's, it's always me that initiates. I like, but uh, yeah, no, I sometimes I like quite like to if he puts a cool picture or a cool, vid- cool video of him up playing guitar, you know, I'll message him about it and ask him about stuff. So yeah, it's been quite cool. He's very. He's very happy to to message me back, which is quite cool, and we chat back and forth. Yeah, he's awesome, yeah. Uh, Squire. He's very uh, accessible, one of the, the best uh, Twitter handles. I mean, mine's pretty great at Belbiv Brando, but his is insert fart noise. I mean, that's <laughs> – whenever Duff tweets that, I'm just like, that's so fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and we'll talk about the, the one-off Loaded show. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll get some uh, G, uh, GNR news, shotgun news uh, after our interview today. Uh, with Mike Miley from from Rival Sons, and it's pretty cool because uh, Ray, you and I did the interview. I don't know, maybe like a week or so ago, and I try yeah. try to get it timely a little bit. Uh, but there, I guess, correctly so that they wanted me to release uh, the the interview with the release of their new single, "Do Your Worst," which is out now. So if it doesn't sound lined up, if he's talking about like unsure about when the single is going to come out it's because this interview is technically taped uh, a couple weeks ago as we're recording this try to do it in real time sunday the 16th of september but first uh, i want to talk to you ray from the uk because we didn't get to learn about you so much um when we when you co-hosted with jeff rouse so when when the fans come on as co-hosts i want you to be the part of the show i want people to get to know you as i you know as much as you as, as you want to let people know so, like, what makes you a good fit for a GNR co-host? Like, how many shows have you been to? Uh, how many shirts do you own? Like, how many like different, like, how many different uh, versions of the band have you seen? What are your GNR stats, if I well, have a way to put it? Well, uh, I don't don't really know where to start. I mean, I've seen, I've only seen uh, uh, Guns and Roses probably three times altogether. I seen them uh, first time back in two thousand and six. Uh, Donington, uh, the Download Festival, uh, and I also saw them at, um, in 2012 with DJ Ashba, and then I've seen them in London uh, for on the Nottingham Lifetime Tour. But I've seen Velvet Revolver probably I think five times altogether. Wow! And I've seen Loaded 
uh, maybe about nine, ten times. And then walking papers again with Duff McKagan. I've seen them four or five times as well. And, that's yeah. kind of in, that's impressive to see the yeah. bands that haven't been around for that long that many times. I mean, yeah. I, I, well, I, could... I, I didn't miss Volvo whenever they were in the UK. <laughs> uh, I, I I always went, and it was actually my first ever concert was Velvet Revolver. Oh yeah, in in '05, where I was about, I think I was being about 15, and okay. uh, yeah, my dad took me down uh, to Glasgow, which was about a four-hour drive mm. uh, from where we lived, and uh, we went. He took me to see Velvet Revolver. Stood at the front the whole time. What a trooper he was! <laughs> <sighs> That's so cool. I, I mean, because I considered myself fortunate to at least have seen them twice. You know, especially mm. since Scott Weiland is. You know, no longer with us, but just to see them five times, and especially for your first concert. Mine was, yeah. uh, I don't know if I've said it before, but Eve Six. You remember that band? Big single, Inside Out? Yeah, yeah. That, that rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, that was my, nobody cares. And now that, yeah. that venue on Long Island is now a planetarium, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else, like GNR-wise? Like, you have a favorite collectible? Do you collect a lot? Because, I mean, it, you have a permanent collectible in your... And we talked about it on the episode with Jeff Rouse, your loaded tattoo. Yeah. When any yeah. Sort of... uh, well, I've got slash tattoos as well. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I've got my loaded tattoo, which is probably my favorite tattoo. But uh, as, as far as collectibles and stuff, I don't have that much stuff. I've got a lot of tour T-shirts from Velvet Revolver and uh, and the like and loaded and, and stuff. But right. Uh, right I don't really have that much in the way of collectibles. I've got, I've got a slash pick okay. from uh, – I caught it at a Velvet Revolver show. Uh Probably it was the night he actually uh, Scott Weiland announced on stage that they were splitting up mm. in Glasgow. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, oh. That was uh, everyone. Uh, all the rest of the band were looking on a little bit confused. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think they knew what was going on. Oh, a lot of but, memories. Yeah, that, I've, I've still got that. Oh, very cool. I mean, a lot of memories yeah. for that show, especially yeah. to catch it. I mean, I have my Mike Squires pick uh, that he brought when he came in studio, and also his business card, which is just him in a Super Songs jersey. It just looks like a trading card. I mean, I posted it on our social media. Anyway, yeah. well, Ray from the UK, we're going to talk more uh, in just a few uh, moments. Well, more than a few moments, because right now on the line, uh, Mike Miley, the drummer of Rival Sons, they've opened up for uh, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, Sammy Hagar, and of course, Guns N' Roses. Miley, you there? I'm going to put in my um, my microphone real quick. Sorry, dude. All good. My daughter is sleeping, so I'm having to walk outside. Oh. And, of course, outside they're doing construction. Well, I'm in New York yeah. City where construction is year-round. <laughs> they're doing so much construction. Like, I, I come home from Europe and to a peaceful neighborhood, but it's not so peaceful because <laughs> they're building like an apartment complex or like a, uh, a school and an apartment complex. Can you hear me? You sound like a nightingale. I, okay, I'm in a I'm in a gr- quiet garage. Okay. Some somewhat soundproofed. It sounds good. Like, where are you located? Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure it's not some random garage. Like, it's the, you know, the the scene from Saw. Like, where are you? Like, you're in suburbia. Yeah. Suburbia where? I'm, I'm in my I'm in suburbia in my uh, in Camarillo, California. Nice. About hour outside of. Um, uh, Los Angeles, Hollywood, you know. Well, how it's like a hundred degrees, I think, here in New York City. Was it out uh, over there? Oh wow, dude, it's like seventy and breezy. <laughs> nice. God, uh, New York sucks, man. I mean, well, I mean, I'm saying that as a lifelong New Yorker. 
it's just it's cold and windy for a week, and now it's hot as balls, and the snow is going to be here. California, uh, it just seems like it's a, like a wonderland uh, year yeah, round. Of course, I mean, it's there's no denying L.A. is all about the weather, you know. <sighs> Yeah, and, and yeah, and so I hear. So one of these days, I keep talking about bands from L.A., and I, the furthest out west I've ever been is Minnesota. So what does that say? Uh-huh. Uh, but I want to know yeah. <laughs> the, the weather, because I, I, what I do here um, in the podcast is sometimes I involve uh, fans as co-hosts to kind of give it a unique spin. So uh, on the line with us also, Mike, is uh, Ray from the U.K., who has seen you guys five times. Okay, doke. Hey, Mike. Hey, Ray. Have we met? Uh, no, I don't think we've. I don't think we've actually, you're probably the only one I've not met at Arrival Suns, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I can definitely say, yo, Ray. I I'll see you uh, early part of next year, I think. <laughs> wink, <Yeah>. wink, <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> I like how you say it like that because before you got on, uh, wait, do I call you Mike? Because he. Uh, uh, your our friend Alex kept calling you Miley, and I don't want people to think I'm interviewing Hannah Montana, which I'm sure they can tell by your voice. Everybody calls me Miley. Um, fans, even most fans, even know me as Miley. Um, Mike Miley is kind of it's just my name. I think in all of the album art, art, artwork and inserts, they always put Michael Miley. Um, so. I, 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 having said all that, just call me whatever you feel comfortable with. <laughs> okay. No, I like Miley because you have an organic, like radio, uh, you know, a hip name. You didn't change it. It's not Bill Bailey to Axl Rose. It's not Saul Hudson to Slash. It's just Michael Miley. I don't know. Just or like, the evening news yeah. with Michael Miley. You, you can do something like that. So. Yeah. The, the future is wide open for you. Uh, we will talk about Guns N' Roses. I'm not going to ask you, you know, what Axl Rose eats or anything weird like that. Uh, but I want to find out about Miley. And you grew up grew up in uh, in California, right? Is that where you're originally from? Yeah, yeah. I'm from uh, born in Northern California, and then third grade or so, I moved to Southern California and um, to Orange County, and uh, and then eventually graduated high school in Orange County and then went to Long Beach State, which is technically L.A. County. And then um, all, it's, it's, everything is real close, as you might imagine. Um, and then uh, moved to Hollywood. Or, I mean, you spent 10 years in Long Beach, 10 years in Hollywood. And so, um, so there you have it. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the last 20 years or so of my life. <laughs> so, um, in Hollywood is kind of, what's funny is I moved to Hollywood and then we ended up forming rival sons in long beach. So I moved to Hollywood to kind of make it in the music business, so to speak. And, um, and as soon as I moved, um, all my buddies from the long beach music scene <laughs> wanted to start what, what ended up being rival sons. So it, anyway, it, I, it I'm can ge- happen anywhere. Logically, uh, or geographically, not um, yeah, exactly. It can happen anywhere. So now we live all over the the country. We we live as far away from each other as humans. <laughs> was that by design, or is it just the way life? You know, I'm sure the way kind of life works out. You know, family and all that fun stuff. Exactly. I mean, everybody's uh, married with kids, and um, 
uh, Jay and Dave actually moved out towards uh, in, to, to Nashville, um, and Scott and I remained in California. And uh, pretty much, I'd say ninety-five percent of everything we do, we just fly to the first city um, where we're starting, and we say hello, and then we start um, our business, a tour or whatever it is, a recording. Uh, we just meet wherever we need to meet now. Uh, whereas before we're starting the band, you know, we're rehearsing three days a week and um, we had a lockout studio we shared with uh, Veruca Salt. Um, sure. And so, uh, yeah, all our gear was in the same, same room. And um, uh, I played with Veruca Salt back in the day. And so I, I uh, remained friends with Louise and, and everybody in the band. And um, so we shared a rehearsal lockout you know, to reduce cost. And um, so Rival Sons used to rehearse three days a week when we all lived uh, in the same city. So, But the cohesiveness is obviously still there because you, you're not rehearsing at the same rate and you're still going out and playing these, you know, eight-minute songs, ten-minute songs so tightly and just like it's just it's just one coming out. It's just one uh, entity, not to sound too corny. So it's just the bond is yeah. still there regardless of where you are in the world. Where in the, is Carmen San Diego? Yeah, you know, it's touring is it's kind of like I'd say one one concert date is probably like three or four rehearsals. You know, the huh. okay. like uh, we've been we've been touring so much that we don't have to rehearse anymore. So um, over the over the last um, the band is almost ten years old, and and of that, you know, I think uh, seven of those years we've we've gone over to Europe and the UK and, and Scandinavia and um, so more of a global kind of touring, uh, schedule, uh, over the last seven years. So you add up all those days and man, it's, it's good. It's good for, there's nothing, nothing beats, um, for, for, for getting, making yourself a better musician or a better band. Nothing is better than playing in front of people because <laughs> you have that immediate, uh, the, the immediate response. Yeah, I hear that. Or bad. I make a lot of uh, sports analogies. I think a lot of them do make sense within the world of music. It's kind of like having a simulation game, as or, or playing in Double A or Single A before you you actually start playing in games in the major leagues. I don't know if you're a sports guy or not, but you can't. Rec- oh gosh, I'm all about all about baseball, dude. Um, Giants. And I actually have Dodgers. Um, I, I'm, you know, more angels, okay. but more for the home team. So, uh, National League, American League, I, you know, I'm uh, Dodgers Angels, respectively. So, I mean, um, grew up more in Orange County. So, I went to more Angel games as a kid. Okay. And so, then Mike Sosha took over. Uh, Mike Sosha, longtime Dodger, um, took over the Angels. Yeah. Um, and he, he sort of coached the Tommy Lasorda small ball. And. So the Angels were kind of the sort of the National League style baseball. Um, you know, they weren't initially. They weren't about the home runs and the. They were more um, stealing bases and you know doing what National League minus the pitchers batting, right? Um, which I, I respect more. So, um, so yeah. I mean, it's I'm a sports fan, and so I don't like uh, right now. I can say that the, the Red Sox and the Yankees are playing such good ball. I'm not, I hate both of them. Like, <laughs> like the fan, the fan, the super personal fan in me. But at the same time, I can respect when somebody's 
when somebody's really good. I can respect that Tom Brady's one of the best quarterbacks. I'm not a I'm not a Patriot fan. Um, I can respect LeBron James is one of the best basketball players. Well, now he's a Laker, so I can technically I can technically like him. I, <laughs> I know what um, you mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. So I I'm, do. And and I have co- I have friends who are coaches in, in the minor leagues. Oh. And I've been on. Um, I've been to bat, batting practice um, with, with double and triple A players and hit balls with them, and I totally get what you're, the analogy you were making about a simulated game or you know triple A. Th- those guys are playing for the chance to go to the majors. Double A is p- going for the chance. So you so um, the the majors is the big show, right? So it's the that's where you want to get to, and that's. Um, I think it's a good analogy, like rehearsing <laughs> or playing, you know, small clubs in your own, in your own town is, is kind of like minor leagues. Uh, mm. Whereas touring the world is, is like you're in the majors, you're, you're a professional as yeah. soon as you start. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm glad you get, there's so many yeah. places that we can go from, from here. One nugget I just do want to <laughs> plant is that you guys are in the major leagues and you're coming upon your, your 10th anniversary as a band touring with the likes of, you know, uh, Sabbath and Hagar and Coarse Guns and Roses. and uh, But I want to go this route. When you um, Did you like Angels in the Outfield then as a kid? <laughs> Was that one of your favorite movies? Um, you know what? I never, I never saw that, actually. <laughs> wow, you never saw Angels uh, in the Outfield. Well, the reason why I make that stupid segue is because I always like to find what the, the kid was like. Uh, whoever I'm interviewing, so the kid version, Mini Mike, Little Mike, Little Miley. Like, were you always a, a drummer? Were you like like Animal from the Muppets, like hitting pots and pans? Like, what made you get into uh, you know the business that you're in? Well, if if you were going to use a, a movie analogy, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bad News Bears. Okay, but, uh... <laughs> sure. Hey Yankees, you can take your apology out of your trophy and shove it straight up your ass. <laughs> um, no, I. You know, I, I slept with a baseball glove under my pillow for years, and I was always always wanted to be a baseball player. Oh wow! Um, and but I but yes, at four years old, my dad, um, what, my dad's a guitar player, so I would uh, he I, I learned basically Billy Jean, the Billy Jean beat, booch, batch, booch, batch, booch, the basic beat that everybody has to learn when they start playing drums. Um, if you didn't know that, just turn on Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, and that's, you know, or any ACDC song. They're all, like, basic, basic beats. Um, uh, so I learned that at four years old, and my dad said, listen for that. It's in every song, it, it, more or less. And so you start listening to music, you hear that sort of uh, TikTok um, thing that happens in music, right? Like, uh, kick, snare kick kick snare kick snare kick kick snare whatever um i started listening to that my dad listened to steely dan and toto and um country music and, and uh lots of cream and eric clapton and so i started hearing all those drummers and and then i heard phil collins in the air tonight and that kind of sealed the deal huh. uh but um i was still playing in um little league baseball and so i got a drum set for my ninth birthday and, um, and yet, so I, I was still straddling being a sports, um, guy and, and music. And to this day, man, if I could play baseball in the minors, I would. Wow. So, 
I still straddle, I still straddle it and I, I stay in shape. Um, it, you know, my home plate to first base is probably slower than, than probably anybody in the MLB. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so it's, it's obviously just a dream. I'll stick with the drums at this point, but, um, I, I love sports, and I use sports analogies all the time. So, Oh, I'm glad I brought it up. And if you do watch Angel in the Outfield, you'll learn the lesson, hey, it could happen. Hey, it could happen. So you'll know, you'll understand that quote when you eventually watch that movie with a young uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Danny Glover and Tony Danza. It's a classic. But uh, no, I I totally oh, hey, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> I'm so glad that I I brought up the the sports thing because I kind of look at it the same way because I I love working uh, when I have in sports radio, but I like the the rock world and I'm just going along the ride that this is taking me on now. Uh, so to continue along the sports analogies, when would you when do you think that your first uh, team uh, got together like your your first band. Uh, when did you first start playing organized ball, so to speak? <laughs> well, uh, freshman in high school, uh, formed my first band with a buddy. His name's Jeff Rodich and and um, Brian Bixby, and we played Van Halen songs or tried. And then as high school progressed, we we were really getting into wanting to be studio musicians. And um, so we were, we started uh, incorporating Toto songs um, and we knew we called them cheesy love songs, but we knew that, that studio musicians made a lot of money off cheesy love songs. Hmm. <laughs> so um, you were ahead of Weezer. So, you know, you know Weezer is like back in the, in the news because they covered Toto. So you had the idea first. I know. <laughs> yeah, they did Africa, and all the kids are loving all that stuff now. And, That's funny, uh, which I think is great. You know, the um, the eighties are kind of making a comeback on on every level, and and uh, I, I have sort of a soft spot in my heart for most most music, even from new wave to to heavy metal. You know, I I love the eighties. Um, that's my that's my decade. You know, that's when I I I grew up and started learning how to play and. You know, uh, so, so yeah, that was, that was, um, high school. And then in college, I got a music degree. So I was doing, um, orchestra, jazz band and uh steel drum band, Brazilian band, African ensemble, wow. all those, all those, uh, things that I was learning percussion and drum set. And so, um, after college is kind of when I started cutting my teeth and playing gigs up in Hollywood. And then eventually I moved up to Hollywood, um, and and like I said earlier, that was when I, uh, after I left Long Beach is when I met Scott, <laughs> like right after I moved. So it was uh, it was interesting. And then Scott discovered Jay, and I'm like, oh, I know Jay. And uh, I go, Jay will never join this band. And then, <laughs> uh, and then a few weeks later, we were jamming in a room, and then we formed Rival Sons. So um, did did you know that it was something special? Of- when you all got together, because it, I think, God, I'm sorry. We all did. We all did, and um, we had the first album written with and with another singer, and so Jay got to kind of listen to the demo. Um, we recorded it for EMI. It wasn't going to be a demo, but um, uh, EMI shelved it, um, which basically means uh, they tell you they're not going to release it, <laughs> and so they drop you. 
Um, and we, we ended up with the rights to the album, which is cool. Um, so we're lucky. A lot of bands don't get that. So we gave Jay the album and said, learn whatever you want and tell us what you want to jam. And then, um, so basically, I think the only ones he liked were Tell Me Something and uh, Memphis Sun. And and when we played Memphis Sun, man, it's something, the atmosphere changed. We all knew it. It was like, oh, we're on to something here. Mm. We're, we're actually doing like, we're doing what all our heroes did, which, which is, you know, blues, blues and R&B inspired music turned up real loud, which equals rock and roll, um, the old way, you know? And, and with Jay, Jay's, Jay sounds more like Otis Redding than David Lee Roth. You know what I mean? I so do. He sounds more like a blues man um, than he does like a heavy metal guy or a, you know, hard rock guy. So, I mean, he has the pipes for hard rock, but some of the best hard rock singers are blues inspired Robert Plant, you know, Steven Tyler, Marriott, yeah, Steven Tyler, Paul, Paul Rogers. They're more bluesy, like Vince Neil and Bruce Dickinson can get up there, sing high, but there's not much blues in, in the, in their, uh, at least what they're wearing on their sleeve. Um, you know what I mean? No, so, absolutely. Um, even Ozzy, Ozzy had, Ozzy had a lot of blues, like that first Sabbath album. I mean, they got harmonica and they got shuffles, you know, um, it's real bluesy. So mm -hmm. I, I could obviously talk hours about all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, we all can. And I know uh, your time is limited, so we're not going to keep you here forever. But there's some, a lot of great points there because, you know, bluesy is one of the reasons why I gravitated towards uh, Guns N' Roses and what Slash brings to, to the band. But you said a couple things, and yeah. I want to throw it to, to Ray, because, Ray, um, the question that you um, said to me off the air. Yeah, well, what I was wanting to ask was, you mean, every time you hear, you know, interviews with sort of, like, these old bands, uh, they, they, whenever they ask about, you know, new bands that they're into or newer newer bands, everyone seems to say Rival Sons. Like, what does that feel like to have so many of your, your you know, your heroes, you know, talking you up so much? Um, I would say just off the, off the top of my head, um, simultaneously humiliating <laughs> um, and and validating, you know, like making you humble, but yet telling you, hey, you're on the right track. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about mentors and mentoring and entrepreneurialism. And like, um, you know, if you're going to start a business, you should read books by people who are are in your field or people who do business well or whatever. And, and so as kids, we're all listening to, to Zeppelin and, and the who and the Beatles and, and cream and Hendrix and, you know, on and on and on, um, to in this style of music, you know, um, to have those members of those bands kind of validate it. It's, it's, it's incredibly validating, but it's also humbling. Like, like, whoa, don't get too big for your britches that yet, you know? Um, I can't explain why it's humbling, but um, it keeps me, because one could say, um, Ozzy Osbourne loves us, woo, you know? <laughs> then, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for, you know, a top 10 single. So yeah. um, mm. maybe I can start being a complete jerk, you know, <laughs> after we have a few top 10 singles and, and I have a few cars in my driveway and... <laughs> um, <laughs> 
but I, I don't think I'm going to go that route. But I might go the car route, but the complete jerk, I don't think I'm going to. I'm going to try not to be a complete jerk. No, I don't get that sense from you. I, I get the same vibe from uh, during my interviews from uh, both Graham and Tyler from The Shakedown, Tyler Bryan's in The Shakedown that you've uh, done shows with. That same, you know, humbleness and then getting that praise yeah. from the hero. So it, it seems like Rock is in a good state. Now, before we get to some of the, uh, the GNR stuff, and you mentioned, because I don't want it to be lost in the conversation, you mentioned the top 10 single stuff. Now, I'm curious, and I know it's different where Ray is in the U.K. and other parts of Europe and South America. Rock is viewed differently. Here in America, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. We're, we're hyping up people named Little Xan and people with faces, uh, face tattoos. I don't know what's wrong. There's a lot of things wrong uh, with the state of rock here, in my humble opinion here in the States. Uh, what do you think it is? Because you do get like bands like you and Greta Van Fleet. You're always you're always mentioned in who's going to be carrying the torch of rock, and the talent is there. You're getting the praise. You're getting the critical acclaim. Why do you think is it the length? That's what I'm wondering. Like we talk about Guns N' Roses, could November Rain or Estrange be on the radio today? It being that long. Like yes, you guys have three minute songs. What do you think it is? Why? Uh, well, it's 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 a number of things like. God, I, I, how do I distill this down into a... I know, it's hard. Okay. It's a loaded question. Uh, point, but I, I always love going to where Gene Simmons said rock is dead, and everyone got mad and blah, blah, blah. There's, there's an element to what he said that was correct in that um, what we're fed is really what we're fed by the industry. And so the, the music industry has, has put so much... I mean, the, the total income coming into record companies is a lot smaller than it was 20, 30 years ago. So they have to, um, they have to refine or, you know, what they're going to be spending money on becomes a lot less. And so they're going right to pop. They're going right to hip hop, um, and country. These, 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 the, uh, um, the genres that are still selling, um, now rock did sort of, I think, I think 80 hair metal sort of, burned it out hmm. and then you had 90s um grunge which was like we call like shoegazer it was kind of anti-rock star um you know like um you didn't go to Soundgarden for like a light show you know you 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 went because you loved the music um or nirvana it wasn't it wasn't about like video screens and all that in the 90s you know what i mean then um, the two thousands came around and, and gosh, it got less and less of what was like actually good out there and being promoted. So you had like Wolf Mother, I guess came out 2005, you had uh, white stripes, you know, then anything Jack White did, I thought was pretty cool. Um, then the raconteurs, mm -hmm. um, dead weather, his own solo stuff. Um, but in the rock, rock and roll genre, it was, that's why me and Scott, started this thing in 2005 I think is when I first got on the phone with Scott and we started having chats about music and saying we should form a band and and it was like dude there's no there's no uh there's no cream there's no Zeppelin there's no Hendrix there's no none of that loose um it's it's not around anymore so uh and we're both so um proficient so to speak like i've always kept up my 
I love Bonham. I love Keith Moon. I love Ginger Baker. Um, and I love Mitch Mitchell. Um, and so that old style, I've always had a spot in my heart for it. Even though I've done sessions, Americana sessions, singer-songwriter sessions, pop sessions. I play with Kelly Clarkson. And um, I've done a lot of different things. Um, but I always kept this spot in my heart and my soul and my, my musical uh, palette, so to speak, of, of that old feel. And it's, it's hard to explain it because you don't want to say it's just loose. Um, but it is off a grid, and the way those guys recorded it was not to a click. Most of most of it was they just learned the song and rolled tape, and it it was more of a visceral um, sort of uh, instinctual approach. And so it sounds human. It sounds instinctual. It sounds like nature. You know, it doesn't sound like the Matrix. You know, <laughs> some some of the rock the rock music now. Um, it's, it's, you know, we all, I'd say 98% of what you hear on the radio, people record in the Pro Tools. Um, even if somebody records on the two-inch tape, like the old way of doing it, they dump it into Pro Tools and edit and mix and everything from there. So most, most of the stuff we're doing now is in a computer. So don't be fooled um, if somebody's telling you they're a purist or whatever. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, even, even though it's going into Pro Tools, we're not putting it on the grid. So like, like a graph, so to where the beats are evenly distributed. Um, uh, it's, act, it's actually, you know, there's songs on the Rival Sons new album that's coming out um, where we recorded all five of us in a room, including Todd on keyboards, um, all five of us in the room tracking. And then that's, that's, that's what went on the album and got mixed. So it's still like a live performance, you know. Um, Beatles did their first all their first stuff, uh, you know, they do 14 songs a day. So there's no grid, there's no gridding and click tracking and they, they weren't cutting tape. It was like, let's pick the best take. That's why you have mistakes on all the old stuff. Um, Cause they, they weren't um, nitpicking and putting stuff through beat detective, which is a, a program that makes drummers beats evenly distributed. So it'll look at the grid and you could be the worst drummer and put it into um, beat detective and it'll make you sound like um, you're playing Billie Jean, like as clean as um, as clean as anybody ever did, you know. So you know, I, think I went off on a tangent. I apologize. No, it's all good, and it's uh, a nice segue into to Guns N' Roses because recently, recently Slash uh, gave an interview about his new record, saying that Living the Dream is his first Pro Tools record that he's ever made, and it's just easier and less expensive to make it that. And you have a unique perspective, I think, because you, you know, you did some shows with uh, with Gina recently on the Not in This Lifetime tour, but you also a few years ago uh, toured with them when it was DJ Ashba, uh, right? And Tommy Stinson was still in the band, yeah. and uh, it's it's cool. I just typed in Rival Sons Guns N' Roses in just Google, and it, your the Facebook came up of a post from 2012. I had to preface it with that that I'm not. Just like a stalker going through every status from Rival Sons. No uh, worries. <laughs> okay. So it, it, it says, uh, just open for the Guns N' Roses show in Rotterdam for an hour and five minutes. Uh, 10,000 people, amazing crowd. Thanks to GNR for having us. Holy moly. So that was June 4th, 2012. Can you tell us how that happened, how you, you opened up for GNR and perhaps uh, memories of that specific show? I remember that because um, the first thing that, kind of caught me off guard was an hour or five minutes. Um, 
I think we were scheduled for 30, 35 minutes. <laughs> what an open, open That's what threw me off. Do. I was like, no opening band plays for over an hour. So if you can yeah, yeah tell us about that. So uh, th- their stage manager is like going, can you play five more minutes? <laughs> you know, like kind of signaling us from the side or telling uh, our techs or something. And so then my drum tech's coming up. He, uh, Matias, he's also our stage manager. So he, he came up to us um, said you know axel was like not here yet or something can you guys keep playing <laughs> so um so that was uh that was why we got to play so long and we weren't booed off the stage so mm-hmm. um we were actually received pretty well and so it was pretty cool to be able to play you know a lot of our catalog at that time um 2012 would have been i guess uh head down i think came out in 2012 all right. We would have been in Keep On Swinging, Keep On Swinging Land, and um, Until the Sun Comes, Run From Revelation. Jordan. Jordan, yep. Jordan came out on that record, Manifest Destiny. So um, good, good, good era for us. How were you recruited? Because there are a lot of different stories to whatever band, like Amy Lee just wanted to bring you on the Evanescence tour. So how, and I like how. Um, it was it was said by both Graham and Tyler what Axel said about them, and I'm sure it wasn't a. Is that you, uh, Ray? You like what was that? Pouring yeah. water or peeing? I'm pre- I'm, 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 no, I'm pouring the juice. Oh, okay, as long as you're not. I mean, if you had to go to the bathroom, you could put the phone down. That's no, it's <laughs> all good. No, no. Uh, so like what Tyler and uh, and Graham both said, and I'm sure it had nothing to do with you guys or any other band that opened. It could have been just a funny comment from Axel saying that finally an opening act that I don't have to ignore. So he, there's always a story behind. Uh, well, hopefully, there's a story behind why a band is brought on tour with, you know, in the big leagues. What we were talking about before. So how did how were you guys recruited from uh, Guns N' Roses for Guns N' Roses to open for them twice? Um, I think. Well, we have the same agent, and I think. Um, well, that helps. You know, when they're putting these tours together, um, uh, I think our agent. Uh, our, like our direct agent works for their agent and he's like under him. And I think, um, uh, he just gave the stuff to Axel and then we were immediately approved. And, um, that's as far as I know. Cause that was, that was six years ago. Um, and so when, and then we got the slash dates, uh, you know, a couple of years after that. And so when, when it came around to putting us on these dates, it was, it was sort of a no-brainer by that time because we're still working and um, still working hard and making a name, you know, for ourselves. Yeah. And uh, keeping good business relations with our agent, <laughs> you know, in our agency and stuff. Um, so uh, it pays to to know, you know, if they say it's like who you know and stuff. So it's a good thing we had the same agent. And um, uh, also in Europe, it's the same agency as, that does Sabbath as well, but that's not how we got the Sabbath dates. But um, but a lot of times it's just who you know and who your agent is and who your manager is and stuff. Well, you st- and you still got to execute. Like I, I say how uh, yeah. I, I work for iHeartRadio, Premier Radio Networks, but I don't get paid for this podcast, but it's on the iHeartRadio app because I, I work here. I have the connection. I, I said, hey, do you guys, like, could this be on the app? And they approved it as soon as they heard it. This is a good product. Yes. So, yeah, it was a connection, but you still have to actually produce, uh, you know, the product and be good. Yeah. So that's, uh, again, I guess another 
uh, humbling thing where Axel just kind of gives you the thumbs up because, you know, he's like a gladiator, thumbs up or thumbs down, I guess. That's just the way it goes. I mean, at least that's how a lot of fans envision it, <laughs> it, it going. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you have the unique perspective of playing with GNR two different times. Uh, do, can you? Was there a difference in the experiences of opening for them when they were, I guess, for, you know, again, for a lack of a better way of putting an Axel in friends or company, even though I love all versions of the band, and then uh, recently with this huge, you know, semi-reunion, is, was there any sort of difference for you guys as an opening act for them? It was with Slash up there um, and, and Duff, like, uh, it did make it, a lot more nostalgic when, you know, welcome to the jungle, uh, when they're kicking into that, um, appetite for destruction has changed my life. So I was, it was at the perfect age to really digest it and really like sort of leave the wing of my, my dad and what my dad listened to, you know, and, mm. um, sort of start developing my own musical desires and, you know, um, like the things I wanted to listen to and appetite for destruction top to bottom front to back is uh, I think one of my favorite albums of all time. So when they, when they kick into those songs um, as the semi semi reunion, right. Um, it was, it was a little more just nostalgic. Um, but I have to say I was impressed with Axel every time I've seen him. And um, even with uh, like ACDC, um, I, I think he's a, He's uh, one of the quintessential rock singers of our time, man. Um, and, uh, but yeah, to, to the quick answer would be the most recent shows were, were definitely more, more nostalgic for me. Did you guys, after you performed, did you watch side stage? Did you go out in the crowd? How did you en- enjoy the show? Um, there's, uh, you know, we have all access passes, so we can go to the, the sound, the front of house sound booth. Um, we can go. Um, in Bordeaux this summer, my wife came out to a couple of the shows and we watched in the VIP section. Um, and so in VIP is free drinks and it's kind of like pretty close to the stage and, um, it's in a good spot. So I've watched all over the stadiums <laughs> that we hmm. played. So the, the, the flat ground kind of fairgrounds where it's just completely flat as far as the eye can see. Um, like Mannheim we did and Leipzig um, or more in that kind of thing. That's a little more crazy to go out in the crowd. And, and I mean, you can get lost out there because there's like 60, 70,000 people. Um, but uh, um, so in the stadiums, I have a lot more fun watching. Um, and then we can't go side stage. So oh, okay. there's, uh, I suppose we could go up there, but, um, but if somebody was to let us, cause sometimes they'll have like, friends and family viewing on some of the stages, but um, there, there's a lot. It's like you have to go up in a certain time and blah, blah, blah. And there's each band member has a manager and, and you know, the backstage is kind of court warden court, uh, court, uh, what is, what are, quartered off. Like Axel has like a little room back there with stuff for his voice and like mints and, you know, mint tea or, you know, whatever he's like doing back there. There's like uh, a table. Cause while Slash is doing a 20-minute solo, I, I, I assume Axel is, like, doing a wardrobe change, you know, drinking some tea, you know, he's looking at the news, whatever he's doing. <laughs> um, 
But, uh, you know, back in the day, we could probably imagine what he was doing. But Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, the, the, who knows? I mean, we can assume that they've all matured to a degree. I mean, we're, we're all aware that Slash isn't doing what he used to do because uh, he would have died. Uh, but uh, that that's cool. Any interaction? Yeah, on the, um, on the GNR date specifically, uh, I, I, we didn't get to interact with Slash or Axel. Um, Scott, um, the guitar player, and I, we, um, Rival Sons guitar player, Scott Holiday. we were um, walking backstage and we ran into Duff and ended up wrapping out in his dressing room for about 30 minutes just talking about business and like the music business and um them learning um how to how to manage their their business um early on you know when they were before appetite for destruction stories so it was really cool and duff is kind of the mastermind of all their business you know like Mm. um he always was he was the one who read the everything you need to know about the music business by donald passman back in the day um and uh, Duff's also the guy who's like invested his money the most, I, I guess the the wisest, um, you know, business wise or whatever. I don't know. You Doesn't can he have stock in Starbucks or, or something like that? Like something he- like that. Yeah, um, that's what I was told. I never like I never confirmed that, but I I, I think he has rumors. He's like a majority. Yeah. yeah, I think he. I've heard he's a majority shareholder. So he's a smart. He's a smart businessman. Um, and. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that was really cool to get to hear his perspective of like a band just starting out and like, cause we're kind of, even though we're 10 years in, we're still like, um, have yet to like have a, a hit single or whatever, you know? And so at, we're all like, um, business minded enough now that I feel like if we did have a hit single or something, we would, we would know what to do hmm. with our money instead of just like piss it away, um, on stuff. So. Um, but yeah, uh, but we did hang out with Slash a lot when we were on his solo tour. Like we would hang out backstage and for hours, you know, um, you know, you know, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, totaling up to hours, you know? Um, Mm. and just after the show, Miles Kennedy, you know, Frank, uh, all the guys in, in the band, uh, we, we made really good friends with them, but Slash is a big fan, a big supporter and him and Scott, Talking fuzz tones and wah wah pedals and you know all that stuff was pretty cool to just be a fly on the wall, you know. It is cool, and you can. It. I wonder. Do you consider ten years young or not? I mean, ten years is a lot. I, I've been doing radio for fifteen, and I feel like I've been doing it for forty-five. But fifteen is not a lot compared to you know some of my quote peers. So it's like, how do you look at it? Especially if someone like Slash uh, and, and and Duff, who have been doing it for so long, but are also creating new music that's not even Guns N' Roses. Like, they're still creating fresh new stuff, and they're veterans. So how do you perceive Rival Sons? Like, do you consider yourself, like, rookies <laughs> to go back to sports? Are you, like, like what kind of a uh, band do you see yourselves as? Gosh, what a good question. I... I... I see us as being ready. We're, we're ready now. Um, we have a career. Um, we're not working day jobs uh, when, we're, when we're not on the road or working. Um, 
I could be a total lazy ass when I'm when I'm off off tour with Rival Sons. And I, I make I make my my living with Rival Sons, basically. So um, in that way, you could say we're super successful. I agree. Um, in the kind of in the entrepreneurial, because really at the end of the day, when when somebody says, "Oh, I want to I want to make a million dollars and be a rock star and blah blah blah." That's just an entrepreneur. That's anybody who's starting a business. Um, and, and if there's any young musicians listening, um, learn business, learn about business, learn how, um, how to make money, how to make your money work for you while you're sleeping, all these kind of things that, uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurs know, um, read, read Mark Cuban, like what he thinks about creating a product, read, read, like, Read what Duff thinks, you know, um, get into our business because I was just a drummer and I was just playing with whoever I could and I did free gigs. I wanted the experience. I wanted to get out there and play. Um, uh, but, and, which is good. At the same time, I never really learned how money works, you know? Hmm. Um, and so, and our, how to be smart with your money and, put together a tour budget, you know, like you can't just go tour. You can't, everyone's like, Hey, why don't you come to our city? You know, we haven't seen you in so long. Some fans are really like kind of, uh, not understanding nicely, um, that we haven't been to their city in a while. And it's, 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 there's so many factors and it's all comes down to business and numbers. And like the agent, the agency says, yeah, you know, I know that this particular city you're getting requests for, but every time we've played it, we lose money in the city and it's like, okay, why do you lose money in that city? Well, it's a long drive to get there and, um, blah, blah, blah. Every time we played there, it rains. I mean, there's hmm. so many factors that go into booking a tour or whatever. Um, so to go back to your question, I think whatever is about to happen to us, uh, we're ready. We're ready for it. Um, we're seasoned and, um, being that we have six albums out, um, on our own sweat equity, we, we've done a lot of the pre-preliminary work, um, so to speak. Some of them, uh, like Black Keys, another popular band now, um, they, I think they had six or seven albums out before they kind of broke in, um, to the next level. Um, so there, there, there's success stories all over the place where you... Um, Absolutely. And, and, yeah. I, and like so, you said, alluded to it and you said it before, and it's probably just coded with you being, uh, with your... Uh, with you being humble, is that you already are successful. Uh, it, you, you're, you're making a living at it. I mean, look at the acts that you've been touring the world with. And I, I guess there are certain levels of success, but I, I think that's based on, upon perception. So if anything, it, it, it's good to know that you're not satisfied, that you're working towards whatever you feel the next level is while still being successful regardless of what... Uh, is the come. So that's great. So what is, I mean, what can you tell yeah. us uh, is the come from Rival Sons? What can we expect, uh, whether it's music, tour, um, you know, a, f- a full-length feature film? What, what, what can we expect from uh, Rival Sons in the future? Um, well, we're, we, we're on Atlantic Records now. Uh, we, we will be releasing early 20, 2019, uh, the new album. And uh, single is out uh i think by the time we're listening to this podcast i think the single's out <laughs> um 
should be hitting radio in the U.S. And I'm, uh, I think that also means uh, worldwide. So in the U.K., um, I'm sure it'll be played, what is it, Total Rock? I thought, yeah, it's Total Rock, Planet Rock. Planet Rock, I think, isn't it? Planet, Planet Rock, yeah. yeah. Um, Planet Rock has been a big champion of us, and um, so I'm sure they'll be playing – be playing it, but just keep keep your uh, keep your ears out and um, call everyone listening. Call in your your local rock station. Do your worst is our first single um, off the new album, and uh, we're really excited about it. And we're excited to to have a, a major label, especially Atlantic Records, with the the pedigree and their the history of of what they've done for rock and roll. And um, you know they. They signed Led Zeppelin, you know, they put, they're the, they are the torchbearers, you know, of rock and roll. And I think they want to be the, uh, the torchbearers of the, the label that brought it back. So, um, I'm happy to be the tool <laughs> for, for them, you know, as well as them being a tool for us, you know, everybody's going to win. And, uh, uh, we're really excited. And I think this is the first time Rival Sun spent a significant amount of time um, writing, recording, going back in, re-recording. A um, couple of the songs went through like four or five different kind of, uh, uh, you know, appearances, you know, tempos, key, the key that we played them in, you know, like changed keys. Like some of the other stuff we did in like one take and it's like what you hear is what you get. There's, it's, it's a little bit of the old Rival Sons mixed with a, with a, a new approach. There's a lot of like, um, uh, I think it's the most amalgamated between Jay, Jay and Scott, like, and, and the band as well. Like, uh, I think my drums are pretty kind of distinct in whatever is going on, but you know, that as far as the page plant or, you know, uh, Steven Tyler, um, you know, the, like the, the duos, the power duos in, uh, in rock history, you know, I, I think that Jay and Scott, tr- they really collaborated on this album and it's, it's, um, it's paid off, I think, um, musically speaking, um, really well. It's, it's my favorite Rival Sons album, um, by far. I can't wait for you guys to, to hear it. Um, so yeah, I can't say enough about it. Awesome. And I, I think other than Platic Rock uh, over the UK, so Ray can hear it. I think here in the States, uh, uh, where I used to work, Hard Drive XL, Lou Brutus plays you guys a lot. That's uh, in several different markets across the country. Uh, so you guys... Oh, yeah, I know Lou. Yeah, he's, uh, I hope to have him on the show in the future. Uh, but just continue, keep your uh, success going. That's how I view you guys. And uh, I know you got to run, uh, Miley, but I just can't thank you enough for your time and you're you're always welcome back, and I'll, I'll play you one one little soundbite because you are officially you're a bad apple because that's what I call friends of the show. So uh, just thank you for your <laughs> thank you for your time. Uh, I love just talking sports with you, and uh, I, I I can't wait to, to see you. I, I'm not lucky enough to like Ray to have seen you five times. I've yet to see Rival Sons, so I can't wait to pop my uh my Rival Cherry to end this interview awkwardly. But that's how I wanted to phrase it. <laughs> awesome man thank you so much you got <laughs> it for having me and and Ray, 
Thank you, Ray, and thanks for everyone listening. And uh, we'll we'll see everyone very soon in a in a in a theater near you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See you guys. Thank you, Miley. Bye, Miley. Thanks again to to Miley for spending some time with uh, with me and Ray. The new single kicks ass, and I can't wait to hear the uh, the rest of the album. Yeah, man, I can't wait. Uh, uh, the single's great. It's just straight up rival sons. It's just awesome. Oh, it's just straight up rock and roll, just like yeah. And I guess this will uh, kick off a little bit of news. Yeah, brought to you by Alternative Nation. Sometimes these sound effects like even like scare me. I'm like, oh my god, and I pressed it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so it's, it's straight up rock and roll by Rival Sons, and it just made me think of. Uh, we got to thank our, our last guest, uh, Hillbilly Harold, uh, Jimmy from Hillbilly Harold. Uh, I'm on the radio, and. Just straight up rock and roll, and he got great reviews. The ones I saw from both Loudwire and LA Weekly when he opened up for Slash uh, at the Whiskey A Go Go. As we're recording this a couple nights ago, uh, there were some great uh, live videos uh, done by Classless Act uh, Slash's son's band. Uh, they were there enjoying, you know, his his dad play or whatever. I mean, God, no, I, I was surprised. Like, do you think London is sick of watching his dad play? Like, do you think that's could ever have. Uh, I don't get the feeling you could ever get sick of watching that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. And, and also, I mean, if you followed us on Facebook, I shared uh, our friend uh, Jack Lou, uh, GNR's first photographer. He got to shoot the the show. You can actually check it out on his page, uh, Jack Lou Photography on Facebook. Uh, but he was up like right there doing a Facebook Live. And Rayman, uh, I, I I mean, you heard that like Slash said they were never going to they weren't going to do any more GNR songs with the conspirators, didn't he? Yeah. But he, they did Rocket Queen. Great. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know. Yeah, but I, I, I kind of figured they would do that because it's quite a big solo one for him. He does that like the long bit in the middle, and that's why. And that, and Jack. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, follow us on on Facebook to see, or you can just obviously follow Jack. That he's just right up against Slash's guitar during that whole Rocket Queen solo. And I don't know about you. I mean, I'm watching it live, so it's a late show in California. You know, I'm obviously in New York, so I'm. You know, it was like two in the morning in New York. I'm watching on my phone, Facebook Live, and I'm just zombied out watching Slash. Just like, oh my god, yeah. this is just fucking brilliant. So, uh, did you get a chance to? Because uh, I know they've done a, several shows on Jimmy Kimmel uh, to experience uh, the new uh, Living the Dream tour with Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Yeah, well, I saw, uh, I've seen Slash play again a, a, a heap of times, even on this, since he's went solo as well. Um, and I saw them on the last tour. Uh, in Glasgow, but no, I was up at, uh I was watching it live as well. It was about six in the morning here. Nice. And I was getting up, get, about to get ready for work, so I just uh, I sat and watched uh, Slash live for half an hour. I got half an hour of it before I had to go right? and get ready. Isn't that <laughs> something though that we're because think of the age that we're in. Yeah. We're all enjoying the, the Slash concert in just completely different parts of the world. Yeah. At the same time, that's fucking just phenomenal. I mean, I, I now it's not like an old man. You know, oh, the internet's changing the world. Yeah, I know, but sometimes you just gotta sit back and just take it in. Me, like how I'm, sometimes, yeah, social media is fucking annoying, but there are times it does stuff like that, which is pretty brilliant. And so, Slash and Miles Kennedy and the conspirators are off and running, getting great reviews from their new album. Uh, I'm looking. I'm, I'm. I'm hoping to get tickets for when they come here to at least Long Island. I think their NYC show is uh, NYC show is sold out. I don't know. I'll keep you guys posted if you care. Uh, and then uh, we got the one-off show from from Loaded. 
Uh, did you get to check that out at all? Because I know there were some videos of that going around. Yeah, I've seen a few of the videos, yeah. Uh, uh, there was a few right close at the front that I saw that were great, uh, but I've not seen all that. There's not as many as, as there have been for Slash, unfortunately. I know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope something maybe professional comes out. I don't know if it's yeah. – I don't know if you would do that or you wouldn't because it was a charity event. So I don't know what yeah. kind of show it was. And, you know, I, I don't know, what, again, what the future is going to hold for Loaded from what we seem to gather – Duff is going to be doing something with Shooter Jennings. Yeah, that, that seems, whatever that may be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever that may be. And I'm hoping to – I mean I'm, I'm in contact with uh, Shooter's people, so I'm hoping that's going to happen sometime in October. I don't always like to announce guests because, again, it, it may never happen. It happens to some of the best uh, in in the business. You know, It's life. People cancel or, or for busy schedules or whatever. But I want to keep everyone listening and – you know, whether I'm telling you now, Ray, or just posting and you're reading it on our social media. I don't know. You're all along for the ride, and I want you to get excited with me. So um, this kind of segues into, I guess, a bad and a good as far as the interviews are concerned, or maybe a question, Mark, and how do, how should I feel about this in a positive? Um, the first one, I, I, I spoke to you a little bit about uh, Ray from the UK off the air. And I won't say the name of the the GNR person in the camp. I just had a respect for their anonymity, and I have I, I like this person. It's just I I've been in contact for maybe I don't know a year or so, emailing every you know few months, nothing serious, just staying in contact. And I would always get a a no thank you. Uh, I can't talk GNR while on tour. And I think we've discussed. Numerous times over numerous episodes, the whole why don't GNR people get interviewed and GNR channels like Bumblefoot won't come on because it's a GNR channel, even though in my eyes this is more than that. But whatever, that's another part of the story. Uh, so this most recent time, I guess followed up again because that last leg of not in this lifetime ended, and there was some downtime. So let me just follow up. I haven't emailed this person in six months or whatever. And I, I'm always very polite, you know, on your time, and I reiterate, you know, nothing that you don't want to talk about, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I just got back. Uh, hi, Brandon. My apologies for such a late uh, reply, um, So, which is fine. Uh, but unfortunately, I have to deny your invitation as I can't do interviews on any GNR channels, maybe one day in the future, but I'm not able to do it right now. I'm really sorry. Again, I won't say who that's from. It's not like Axel or anything. Um, somebody I really wanted to talk to. And I guess a couple things here. I mean, I don't, I'm not angry at this person. I, there must, there are reasons, you know, I, for some, we, we kind of understand because, you know, certain websites clickbait and things could be negative and, and the protecting of the GNR brand. I guess there's a, I get it to a, a point, uh, but this is where I don't get it. Well, for one, I don't consider this a GNR. I don't consider it a GNR channel. Yes, it's uh, GNR based, but I consider like um, GNR Central, Guns Roses channel. That's like all GNR everything. When we interview somebody, that's kind of the the launching pad where we find out their story to get up to that point. I mean, if you listen to the last episode with Jimmy Harold, you know we found out his hillbilly upbringings, or when we interviewed uh, uh, Arian Bueller. About the who did the lithographs, we talked about doing uh, it, growing up with Rastafarians. 
So you don't try not to take these things personally because you never know who else these people have dealt with in their career. That's fine. Uh, but I kind of just wanted to get your opinion, Ray, uh, just on this in general because it's, it's yeah. just more of, you know, I can just be, you know, splitting hairs as the phrase goes. I don't know if that's a phrase you're, you know. Uh, you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's over here, though. <laughs> sometimes you say like, whenever I talk to you or other people in other countries, like it's just like, what was that? But I'm also pretty daft. Uh, see, I don't use that word often, but I think you, <laughs> um, I'm I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, so with with this, I, I can be splitting hairs with the, it's a GNR channel or not. Basically, quick sidebar is my goal is just to create a great rock podcast, but there are so many out there. I don't want to be a wannabe Eddie Trunk. I don't want to be a, a wannabe Mitch LaFon. Those people exist, and they're great at what they do. And I could be – I can do rock interviews. That's fine. But what, how does that separate me? What, how does this make it different? So I want the GNR thing to be different. I can interview an actor and talk GNR. I can interview uh, a doctor and talk GNR, an artist. I can talk anybody, and it just has that one connection of GNR and get their story. Just like we just got Ray's story uh, earlier before the interview, and I've given you my story. We all have that one thing in common, at least, which is GNR. So anyway, uh, back to, again, that's splitting hairs. But just to why GNR continues to not allow it. This seems, Because Bumblefoot's not in the band anymore, so that's his choice. This seems like this was not this person's choice. Yeah. I, I mean, is that fair, do you think? Well... I don't know. It's hard to. It's really hard to say because see, you you got. I know you say you say Bumblefoot won't do it, but you got Tommy Stinson, and you know, and he's you know fairly recent. I'm, but I, I was very lucky with him, and it was mm-hmm. really reiterated with me uh, to me a lot not to focus on GNR. And yeah. to be honest, uh, I was even told to adjust my email in the way I phrase certain things. As a better chance oh, right. to get the interview, and I, I, I'm not giving out any names, and it's not. And I would always tell like Tommy loves GNR. He loves that time. He has no issues with anything of that. It's not. It shouldn't be spun in that way. He's just so focused and really wants to push Cowboys in the Campfire, who are also yeah. on tour right now and his new music. And there are yeah. a lot of people. And this person told me. There will be people who will agree, yeah, 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 I'll talk about what he wants to talk about, and then their first question is about GNR. So there are mm-hmm. people who are assholes. I'm not yeah. that way, and I have to understand that. So yeah, I I know that message is hard sometimes to get across if you don't know me. So I accept that. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll um, it's just a bum because I mean people like you know Ray. I'm sure you would want to hear from this person who I told you off the air, and I would like to talk to them. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. And same thing with Bumblefoot. I mean, he was my first interview ever, so I have nothing but love for the guy forever. Plus, he's a Brooklyn Jew, just like me. I mean, so. <laughs> we're bonded by, by blood or something. Um, and, and this will be the good part of it about how sometimes it's the right time to do an interview and sometimes it's not. I mentioned – I don't even know the last time I mentioned it on the air, but Roy Orbison Jr., yes, that Roy Orbison uh, – wants to come on the show and it's just been a long time and he's been so busy in the recording studio and uh, I believe they're, they're doing um, a show with their dad as a hologram uh, they're also the son uh, Alex Orbison the youngest son is doing a lot out there so they're busy but uh, Roy tweeted the other day his newborn baby in a Guns N' Roses shirt and he tagged 
uh, at the AFD show on Twitter. And I was you know, very cute. And I just took it as an opportunity to inbox him. Hey, can we just talk on the phone, do an interview? Because he wants to come in studio, which is so cool because we just happened to meet one time at iHeart. You know, when we were already previously, some, for some reason, following each other on Twitter. But it was just, a, I don't know, an act of rock fate or whatever. So I'm hoping uh, Roy Orbison is going to, uh, Junior, not the not Roy, Roy yeah. Orbison. <laughs> I mean, we could talk to his hologram, I guess. Uh, junior uh, is going to be on the show, um, if not next episode, soon. You know, uh, we're still definitely in contact with him. So there, it's all about timing with the show. I've been very, very fortunate and shocked that this show seems to be like going every week. You know, I love when I get a message from you, Ray, saying, oh, you know, got a new episode. You know, it's helps my commute in the morning. It's it, people like you and keep me going and doing this. Uh, yeah. But there's a next level and the next level. And uh, as you're listening to this, we just did a soft uh, launch or soft open, as they sometimes call things in the business of our YouTube channel. It's officially up. I don't think I can make an actual uh, custom URL yet until you get a bunch of subscribers. But you can find the link on our Facebook, facebook.com slash at the AFD. No, not at the, at the AFD show is on Twitter, facebook.com slash the AFD show, and you'll find links there. Or you can just type in Appetite for Distortion podcast on YouTube. It's probably the uh, the best way to do it. Our first 20 episodes are up there. Uh, not too crazy. I mean, well, I shouldn't say not too crazy. Fucking Raz Q built did this for me. I mean, I paid him, uh, and he'll be on the show again. <laughs> he got on social media, and everyone's like, "What the fuck happened to him?" He just got sick of social media. Yeah, uh, but he's such, he's such an awesome guy. So uh, he's he's helped me, and those are his graphics, his work, putting up pictures of our guests up there. So if you want to relive the first twenty episodes, uh, interviews with the likes of speaking of. You know, the Velvet Revolver, uh, uh, Dave Kushner is up there, uh, Carla Harvey from the, the Butcher Babies. When we first met, uh, Art Tavana is up there. Uh, there's a lot of Vicky Hamilton, a lot of cool interviews we got to do. And, of course, our old buddy, Scotto. So because if you're a new listener, this used to be Appetite for Distortion with Brando and Scotto. But we're still friends off the air <laughs> for anyone who, who uh, is, is, is curious for anything like that. So uh, please follow and subscribe to us now on, on YouTube. Were you affected by the whole YouTube copyright stuff? Were there certain channels you followed that were shut down? Uh, yeah. Uh, as I said you off air, uh, Gibbles in, in particular, uh, I thought it was just a great channel. I've been following that for for years and it's always been great you can always get great videos in there he's always posting great videos on facebook and you know it was kind of like shocking for it to just come to an end you I know was, he just mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know he was just off and uh i think that's such a shame um because he had, he had such a great great channel just for for great videos of gnr so what do you like want though as a uh in a youtube channel like what would you like to see my channel do and also, like, what would you like to do in the future as a as a guest host? Because I know this was your second time, mm-hmm. and yeah, I made I teased you about pouring water <laughs> during the interview. Yeah, I decided I couldn't wait any longer for a drink, and I should have just waited. <laughs> as long as I mean, it would have been I would have forgiven you if you decided to take it into the uh, the loo or whatever you call it. Um, <laughs> but it's like, what do you want? Because I that's how what again people like you is why. This is continuing. This podcast is continuing. So, what would you? This is your chance. Like, this is a fan telling me, like, what would you like to see me do with the 
with the channel. I just think it's a, it's a a great way to get all this content, you know, together. You know, you can maybe do some some maybe uh, YouTube you know specific stuff. You know, maybe get a couple of I don't know if you could maybe do you know video interviews. Maybe you might something that may be quite a good idea to do. Um, especially if you got I mean when you had Mike Squires in studio, you know, could have maybe had a like film in it maybe, and that could have been like on a YouTube channel or something like that. You know. I think that's that would be a great idea. Uh, but again, just having all that great content, you know, in one place, you don't really have to hunt for it. I know you had problems with iTunes, but yeah, um, horrendous, yeah. horrendous because of all the copyright stuff. So yeah, it, it, it affected yeah. all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is just going to be another outlet. And you're right; it's just now. I mean, yes, I'm a radio guy when it comes down to it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like the theater of the mind. But yes, we mm-hmm. can get absolutely creative. With the video aspect, Maybe, mm-hmm. there are shows that come here to New York City and Long Island. Maybe we go to a show and we go on location to do an interview, and you see it. Yeah, you're right. YouTube specific. I mean, I told Raz Q if you want to do a special Raz message on the AFD show channel on YouTube, and it's just and Raz is hilarious. Yeah, it's so, a great idea. So there's a lot of things that we can do, and also you fans. I mean, yeah. Gibbos is going to make a better channel than I, I could ever make. Same thing with Franz and Rose. They can always do it. So if if these GNR YouTube legends want to have a voice, and hopefully this channel, I know I'm kind of uh, jinxing myself here, but none of my shit's copyrighted. So I should, none of this should happen. Uh, <laughs> so I want to be a platform for us, all of us. You know, I'm just at the helm of this freaking monstrosity just trying to put this this monstrosity <laughs> together <laughs> i guess could you also maybe you know uh when you, if you go to like a show see if you go to this on for the slash tour you know maybe do can speak to some fans in the crowd or whatever yeah. you know, before the show or after the show and you can maybe use that for youtube as well yeah that's something i want to do uh with scotto a lot because sometimes i i need help because it's just me you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I love when uh, Remco from the Netherlands he he'll go to shows and he'll you know I, I, he's on our our Facebook I mean also on mm-hmm. his as well uh, he'll do live videos I, I yeah God I can't even remember the thousands of videos uh, of views rather when he did he filmed the sound check of Slither and that was like the first yeah. one <laughs> and it, it was great he contributed and it's all about GNR fans helping each other so I give him a platform plug his stuff. You know, if there's mm-hmm. anything, you know, uh, if for some reason, if there's someone in the UK that needs uh, gas heating, raise your, <laughs> raise your guy. <laughs> I know I, I want to be able to help uh, anyone who helps me because I appreciate you, um, you know, taking time out just to do uh, do this episode, our second yeah. episode together. So thanks, man. Well, if you'd like, if you wanted any for, you know, any of the Slash shows or when I say I'm going to Glasgow, if you wanted any live videos there, I don't mind. I would be happy to to. Help you out there as well. Yeah, I'd be down for that. So we got to think of a a title for you because so since Remco is our our senior European, uh, he was our senior European AFD correspondent. Yes, that's my my official fake made up name, but it sounds good. <laughs> so what what should yours be? What do you, what? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll think about we'll, we'll think about that. But that's cool. So now we have a future. Uh, live videos of Slash look uh, forward to, courtesy of Ray from the UK. And so thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. And um, so I guess that, that does it for episode 84 of the AFD show. Again, I can't thank uh, Ray enough. I can't thank all of you enough. Follow us again at iHeart, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube now. Uh, first 20 episodes are up there. 
um, Facebook, facebook.com slash the AFD show, Twitter at the AFD show. And, and, uh, and until the next one, well, when is it going to come out? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. <laughs>